even if you are not ready for the day, it cannot always be night. It just gets better every time. Every time. I just, I don't understand. But it fits so well with the our theme of light and dark. Um, it always brings a smile to my face. It's like I said before we were on. I just want Kanye not to be as good as he is. I agree. It's a problem. He is good. <laughs> I'm always like, hey, we shouldn't. This is problematic. But at the same time, it's fantastic. But can't always be done. <laughs> so so we started, uh, we were talking before this. I wanted to start um, with our depiction of art this week, since you are in, <laughs> technically in, in charge of our faith in arts uh, now. And, you know, that, that group Staff here. liaison, yeah. if you will. Yeah, and that group here is so great. And if you haven't seen uh, all the art that we have in our gallery right there outside of the sanctuary between the chapel, it's fantastic. And it fits. They could not have picked a better show Yeah, for light and dark. It fits with the theme so perfectly. I mean, there's so many wonderful... Uh, plays on light and black and white photos, and it really does fit super well. Uh, but I know when you write a sermon, you like to have an icon um, that a depiction of the sermon that you know kind of matches. And I know for you know for Rob and myself, and and uh, frankly a lot of other pastors, seeing something depicted in art and how mm-hmm. um, early artists portrayed these biblical stories really can kind of give us a a lens into how early Christians understood what they were reading, um, interpreted, uh, and sometimes art really brings it alive. And so, you know, we tried to do that this week. And so why don't you wa- I mean, walk I, us through I, for I, people I, that didn't, yeah, didn't if you, watch. If you haven't watched the sermon service yet, I, first of all, the, the harpist, wow, the yeah. music's been great this season. And, you know, one of my favorite things about preaching a conversational sermon, and I know that Lisa and Rob aren't here with us for the sermon talk back just because of timing and christmas week and all that kind of jazz but um is all the different things that everybody brings so like the conversations that the four of us had are almost worth the price of admission for me and in this rob you know we all chose characters and and rob really chose joseph and had an affinity to joseph but one of the things kind of tongue-in-cheek kind of making fun of themselves you say well i'm the old guy and uh you know there's a lot of the depictions if you look up joseph and iconography or um especially like renaissance art like joseph is depicted as kind of an old man and um rob really kind of leaned into that a little bit so uh you know i may or may not have gone into his office and uh procured a younger picture of rob to just demonstrate what Joseph may have looked like younger. Yeah. You know, I love it. We just, I don't know. I thought it was helpful. It was a- so I want people. So a lot of times we, people ask, you know, how much of this is prepared and, and you know, we do have an outline and sometimes we'll write things down that we want to say verbatim. That was purely unscripted. When Luke brought out that photo of Rob, that was in the eight forty five service. That was the first time that Rob had seen that, but the part that was the best to me was in the 1055 service. The congregation is laughing and Luke is holding this up, but the, he realizes the choir hasn't seen it. So you turn around. And so it was just like two waves of laughter. I felt terrible. Uh, but also I thought it was hilarious. 
Oh, and Rob had a great line in the 1055. In the 845, he was shocked. Yes. Like, he was literally, I've seen Rob's speeches like a couple of times. And, and that was one of them. That was one of them. And the 1055, he was he said, uh, yeah, that's a picture of one of your former preachers yeah. or something like that. I that thought was, it was pretty good. pretty classic. Um, but, yeah, you know, didn't know it was coming. It's, it, I've got to go back and watch his face at day 45. I can't. Yeah. I want to see it. <laughs> So, like I was saying, we don't pre-plan what everything we're going to say, but we do usually have conversations. And um, but this week, or we had a little bit more help because we had all right. of the congregational responses, um, which we got to read through those, uh, and they were fantastic. Um, they were, we really were shocked at how high Jesus ranked and low after we. It was, but, it was interesting. But when we th- said. The Christmas story. I guess we were expecting like, you know, pre-birth, you know. Yeah. And everyone, w- but the amount of Jesus we had in there was fantastic. Uh, I was hoping for maybe like the Ricky Bobby line, like the eight pound, six ounce baby Jesus, but we didn't get that. But we got a ton of Mary, which I would say is yeah, it makes a ton of sense. The, the most sense, and um, then we had a ton of shepherds. Um, and we're going to hear a great sermon about the shepherds on the 26th, the day after Christmas Day, uh, and the Darren Nicholson band will be with us. And so mm-hmm. I hope that you'll come and we'll kind of delve deeper into them because even though they got they were the second on our list, they got the least airtime on Sunday. And that was kind of on purpose because yeah. we knew we were gonna gonna preach about the shepherds on the 26th. And same thing with the wise men. Yeah, they didn't get a ton of airtime because Pastor because Lisa's preaching on the second. For gonna, epiphany. For epiphany and yeah. going to talk about the wise men. So, you know, it's kind of, I don't know. We got a lot a lot to cover, only so many sermons to do. So. Well, then you and I chose kind of obscure characters. Yeah. And me, <laughs> me, maybe more so than you. I didn't even choose a person. So, <laughs> Well, that's what I was going to ask you. Is So you and I had probably the most obscure characters, but we did have a few in the congregation that we had. I had at least one shared response with the innkeeper, and there was at least... Uh, one, if not two, talking about the stars. Stars, so stars and angels. Angels, really yeah. angels in there too. Yeah. But if you had to choose someone else, and not the one that you chose, who would you have picked? Uh, well, the answer is obviously Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> now, I mean, so okay, like it's hard to resonate with baby Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. Like I don't remember what it's like to be a baby, like Forrest Gump says. Like I don't rightly remember when I was born. <laughs> um. Which is a line I wanted to work in this entire Advent, and, and finally, I'm finally did somewhere. So happy you did. Um, it would probably be for me, Mary. Mm-hmm. Honestly, um, you know, I've I've been in the room for five baby deliveries, mm-hmm. and um, I mean, delivering a baby, man. That's that's some like hard stuff. It's messy and you like kind of believe everything's going to be okay, but you don't really know. And especially your first child. And I mean, like today you have like monitors and there's beeps and you know, the heart rate and everybody knows like exactly where, but like back, like she's in a cave yeah, in the middle of nowhere. And it's like, I got to deliver a baby surrounded by animals and a husband who may or may not be selectively mute at this point. Yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. Like you call them. Yeah. Can Joseph even talk? Like I don't. Yeah. So to me, um, 
I mean, Mary's just such an amazing character in the biblical story. Uh, you know, there's a lot of amazing characters in the biblical story. Mary is, you know, paramount. I mean, no, no wonder the Catholic Church has such a deep Mariology. Yeah. You know, like, like that's just so appropriate. I mean, if we're going to elevate any human being more than we do, you know, Jesus, or as much as we do Jesus, like, I get why it's Mary. Well, and Lisa had that, that great line about, you know, just the basically innumerable amount of women that have delivered yeah. a child um, or that have um, been a part of raising a child, whether or not that's as like a very close friend or an aunt, aunt. or they've been in this mm-hmm. community with um, with folks. And I think that that invites an, a bigger, a way to fit into the Christian story and the Christian family in a way that um, is less accessible to you and I, but we also have Christ depicted as a male. So yeah. it, it is a, a, a way to plug in um, to that, to that Christmas story that is um, inviting and welcoming and creates that same incarnational piece because uh, like Lisa said, that she is shares in childbirth and in the, the groans and the pains of that and the joys of that um, and the fear and everything with Mary. And so that kind of bonds you to the Holy family in a way. Well, and and the uh, visual depiction that Lisa used of uh, the card that was Mary on the subway Mm -hmm. with a baby. And I mean, that was just so powerful. And I mean, just a, a, an incredible image, you know? So, okay. So, so I, I think I would say Mary, obviously. So what about you? You chose the innkeeper. Any, any, so before we say who else you would have chosen. All right. I think the innkeeper gets some, gets some bad rap here. I, agree. I, I think it was a very redeeming person to, and character to choose. Is there anything, I mean, in these sermons, we have all this stuff that we don't get to, anything else about the innkeeper you'd want to say? For me, I, and Rob kind of said it in the, in the first service, we didn't get to say it in the second, but like the, reimagining of the innkeeper because you know i assume there were multiple inns in town or or at least other but other places to stay we have no clue how if they've checked anywhere else but he could have just said no i mean he could have said a flat out no we're out of space i'm already basically over capacity because everyone's traveling Mm -hmm. um but instead he says okay there's a we have a space out out here and um you know i in my mind i like to imagine that he at least maybe gave them what like a, a basin of water or something mm-hmm. anything to be mm-hmm. out there um, and you know we don't get those details but that lets us our imagination come alive a little bit but the the fact that space was still made and um it comes to the point that uh we've been trying to make this whole advent season that you know we always have an opportunity to say yes. And sometimes saying yes looks like, you know, throwing the doors wide open. And um, other times it's a slower, it's a slower yes for folks. And um, it was still in some ways by him saying, you know, there's a space out back that fulfills the, the prophecies that are all in the, the, the old Testament, right. um, As well as makes a space for people that are cold weary displaced uh, yeah displaced <laughs> and so it's 
you know, in, in one sense, you do wish maybe they could have had a feather bed or, you know, something. But <laughs> yeah. in reality, the fact that a space was made at all I, was kind of what I what I really wanted to talk about was that our yes does not always look like a shout. Sometimes our yes, mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't always look like, you know, dancing for joy or um, flinging our hearts wide open uh, to Christ. Sometimes it is a, a slower process, but one that we're we're willing to take steps towards, you know, I'm saying, yes, um, I'm making a space. Uh, and then that's that Beekner line that he, he ends with, um, when he's discussing the innkeeper, you know, I, I witnessed it the first time, but only like from the outside, you know, if it, I missed it when mm-hmm. she was given birth, but I'm not going to miss it the next time. And so this idea that, you know, you can open the, the door of your heart a little bit. Um, but as you grow, uh, in your life and in your faith, um, that you will be on the lookout for when uh, the stranger meets you at your door and it's angels, or when the Christ child is born in your garage, you know, <laughs> like right, right, um, right. And so that was kind of the the piece that I wanted to include. But I mean, when you have four people talking and a baptism, there's a lot. Yeah, I mean, we were 28 minutes for yeah. a sermon, anyway, as it was. Um, all right, so can't choose the innkeeper what other for for me it's joseph i i really always i always loved that um because so mary says says yes uh to god and you know takes her uh, uh, some time but then she you know fully surrenders you know not my will lord let it be so um it takes uh joseph a little longer obviously uh but I, I do think that his life, and, and Rob kind of touched on this, would have been a witness, um, at least maybe in his small community. I like to think of it that way, that the way that he understood God um, and the, the, the God that he was raised to worship and then understood the, the character of that God as loving, and, and that, that made him be a loving father. I, th- I think that he would have been a, a representation for maybe just his small community of, you know, Joseph st- stepped up and did what was right. Um, yeah, I think Rob's point about covenant over DNA, mm-hmm. uh, his point about choice in that covenant, I think it's really interesting because that is Joseph demonstrates in his actions the theological idea that Jesus is in his birth. Mm -hmm. So Joseph demonstrates this idea of adoption and, and that Christ is, is his son and they're related and they're, which is the theological idea behind Christ coming so that we can be um, sisters and and brothers and sons and daughters of God. Yeah. So it's it's a it's really interesting that he demonstrates that theological idea. I agree. And to touch back on the art piece, um, which is funny, but the one that we can really find, and Rob kind of talked about it, is Joseph hunched over. Um, he has his bare foot on a board, a log of some sort, and he's twisting an old auger, like mm-hmm. drill bit. But it's a dimly lit room, and the only light is from a small boy, presumably Jesus, sitting on a stool and holding the light. And, you know, in our theme of light and darkness, like, 
the fact that the the small toddler Jesus mm-hmm. is still the light bearer as the work of his earthly father is happening. I just thought that you know it, we we were humorous about it, but it's also the depiction of Joseph as an older man having to make these choices, but then, like you were saying, embodies who you know the love that Christ shows the world, and in some ways was witness to the light bearer the whole time. But you know, you have to think that uh, Jesus picked up on that. You know, yeah, it, well, yeah, absolutely, and not even just like a witness and. You know, light in the sense that um, whether it's a candle or a lamp or whatever, like there's all of this stuff that goes into it, mm-hmm. right? So like, if it's a lamp, then you got to have it plugged in, and the electricity's got to make it. You got to connect the. If it's a if it's a candle, then the wick's got to be just right, and the the wax has got to be you know tapered properly. If it's a fire, you've got to have um, kindling and 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 to be light in the world. Um, it's more than just like that. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of light and dark, we've now done the four Sundays of Advent. Mm-hmm. We are two days out from Christmas Eve, and we chose an interesting theme. You know, I, I'm trying to rack my brain to what we've used in years past. So last year, uh, we did the Appalachian Trail, which mm-hmm. I thought was a really fun and uh, interesting series specifically because so many of us were you know recreating outside more just because of the all we could do and then the year before that we did a very wesley christmas correct Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and i thought that one was great and then did we do dickens three years ago or was that before me i think three years ago we did the we did a character a week oh that's exactly right and then we did a wesley christmas Mm -hmm. yeah and then and then the year before that, we did Dickens. Dickens. Okay, perfect. So, you know, we we always are looking for different themes, but how did we settle on light and dark? And then, you know, I just want to talk a little bit about what, why that theme and what have we, what is it illuminated? <laughs> oh, no, please don't. Please <laughs> Sorry. don't. Don't encourage that stuff, man. But what did it... Uh, illuminate <laughs> for you this advent season um so the theme of light and dark um it, it, first of all it is an advent theme mm-hmm. so so this is not something that like we came up with and we're like hey we should do this and we're the first people to ever think about it that's i not. know it's in so many of the hymns it's in about almost mm-hmm. all of the prayers mm-hmm. i think one of the things that we tried to do that I think is a really important movement is, and Rob kind of hit on this before we entered this season in a sermon he preached, I think it was um, in October, where he reminded us that in Genesis 1, it's it's night and it's day, the first day. And I, I think one of the takeaways I hope people take away from this theme is that Darkness and light in their cells are not inherently good or inherently bad. Mm-hmm. They both have, both are, both exist. Both are a part of humanity. They're a part of creation. And um, 
But I think it's really hard with darkness, right? Yeah. Because we have been, um, you know, made to think, and and we've we've seen, you know, we use the word darkness for things that are bad and things that are ugly, and I think that's true, and it's something we feel. Yeah. But I also think it's a little unfair. Mm-hmm. I agree because the. I mean, there's a lot of things that come with that. So, like, you know, what about people that have dark color skin? Like, so they they inherently feel bad. Like, that's awful. Yeah, you know that that we kind of give these um, feelings and emotions to words and and that dark is bad and and light is good and yeah, you know, and and what about folks that have to work at night and and the, I mean you heard me talk yeah. about that in my sermon about you know talking about light pollution and I I think it's really hard I think it's I think we in the church can what, what was I saw something I read like called called Christians that only talk about light solar powered Christians <laughs> which I was like come on I'm not going to hit the, please don't the hit, laugh track. Please don't hit the laugh Sorry. track. Hit the Kanye track before you hit the laugh <laughs> the track. Laugh track. Um, and I don't know. I just, I, I want for my hope, my hope in this season was that we could find rest in the darkness and in the light, that we could find hope in the darkness and hope in the light, that we can find joy in the darkness and joy in the light, that it can be a place of peace in both. And, but I think that's really a lot of, it takes a lot of mental work. It takes yeah. a lot of spiritual work. It's not simple and straightforward. I don't know. What about you? What do you think? Yeah, I thought um, the interplay between having a bigger focus on darkness um, and explaining it as, you know, true physical darkness. Because, you know, a lot of times you can use scriptures like those that have walked in darkness have seen a great light. And I, I don't think that that, means like people walking at night you know i i I think it's you know people that haven't experienced or been illumined and but we can begin to conflate the two like you were saying and so um the rhythms of of real life um specifically during this season where it gets dark much earlier we have to learn to do more things uh in the in the dark and i think it it mirrors kind of uh Mary's journey. I I I, I just know. imagine every day that she carries the child, you know, moving deeper and deeper each night, going to sleep knowing I'm carrying, you know, the light of the world in my stomach, mm-hmm. and then waking up in the morning knowing that truth as well. And so she had to, you know, wrestle with those things in the light and in the darkness. So I love that. And then something you said in your sermon about um, the darkness of Mary's womb as Jesus is in there for, you know, nine months. And, uh, you know, I, it just evokes so many thoughts of uh, the creation narrative at the beginning with the spirit hovering over the waters. And so that is opened my imagination to stuff I hadn't considered before. And, I think it the focus was more on the season for me like mm. in years past as the as the pastor I'm you know how are we staying you know on theme while be, <laughs> while being you know 
are we reading the, the right pages of this book that we're going, you know, right. and that can sometimes get distracting. Whereas this, um, I thought our theme this year focused us more on, okay, how can we examine the physical life that we live now um, in, in the light of this story that has been celebrated and lived out, you know, for thousands of years. You know, it's interesting because so much of the light that we experience is artificial. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, this is a much bigger idea to unpack, but I, so you think about all the, the difficulties in, in the church. Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't know anything about that. I mean, <laughs> and yet, the church is like we're light bearers and part of me thinks that the artificial light has drowned out the redemptive qualities of the rest we need in darkness. Mm-hmm. And again, I just, I got yeah. precursor. This is a big idea that I think is really important. So for most of human existence, when it gets dark, we go to sleep and we rest today. When it gets dark, what do we do? You hold your phone a little closer to your face. Yeah, you yeah you turn <laughs> exactly. on a light. Like yeah. you just you light up the space you're in, and you stay up for multiple more hours, or mm. try to do work, or and I think there that artificial light, and I get that people have to, and I and, I mean there's a whole again, yeah. it's a big idea to unpack, unpack, um, but there's something about the artificial light that's drowning out the real light. And, and, and that sounds, I, I don't know how that sounds to people, but I think it's true. And yeah. I don't know how to, I don't know what the answer is. When, if we're called to be light bearers, it's important that we bear the true light and not an artificial one to yeah. deepen the metaphor, you know? Yeah. And I feel like part of the reason all of us, me included at times, my, it feels artificial or I'm not all the way there is that I'm tired or that I'm, mm-hmm. um, I've not been silent enough. Yeah. I've not paused enough. And I think, I hope that came through in the theme to bring it back yeah. to kind of your original question, this light and dark. I think that's an important part of this theme. I agree. And you know, I'm glad that we chose it for that reason. And you know, I'm interested to see, um, what Christmas is like. You know, yeah. and uh, I'm interested to see what us singing Silent Night with only the the light of candles in our mm-hmm. hands is like, you know, and how that'll be different this year, um, just in light of, in light of this theme. Come on. Oh, sorry. <laughs> and so <laughs> I'm just interested, though, when we look to like the in our hymnal, so many of the of the hymns talk about light and dark like throughout for in during the christmas season at least like one of the verses is specifically about that so i'm always like the this isn't a new idea like mm-hmm. you said mm-hmm. and so how can we continue to reclaim these ideas and that are you know the wisdom of our foremothers and forefathers that kind of understood this and make it make this thing we do every year more alive 
I think one of the things that we can do is recognize that even in the hymns, there's a struggle. Mm -hmm. So some of the hymns create a real strong dichotomy between dark and light, uh, where one's good and one's bad. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of them are trying to figure out, they're like, wait, but darkness was in creation. And how, like, so how do we, like, how do we hold this intention? And I think part of it is that we recognize that we're folks have been working through this for millennia you know like this is a this is a long-standing process that we are working through as humans and also recognizing that you know sometimes we feel down and depressed and we use the word darkness to describe that yeah and that's not bad Mm -mm. it's just part of what we do and it's um Sometimes we use the word light to describe like how we're feeling and it's a, in a positive way. I think the thing that I would push us to think through is how those physical things are affecting who we are. And I think that bears out in the way that theologians and um, hymn writers have struggled with light and darkness for a long time. Yeah. Well... We're going to have a Christmas Eve service. Um, and one of the things we touched on in our sermon this week was incarnational. Um, yes. The, in the, the fact that God was born a human being, enfleshed, mm-hmm. incarnational. And um, we get to be in the flesh with one another um, yeah. for uh, the first time on Christmas in two years, which is great. Um. And we get to bear witness to the light of the world coming in as a small baby in flesh. And so um, what can we expect for Christmas in two days? And, uh, you know, yeah. how, how do you see that incarnation um, this year? And how, how has that become more alive or, or reimagined for you this year? I, I think that, um, you know, for a lot of the fall, uh, we talked a lot as a staff about what it means to be in this hybrid world of virtual and in person and how we live incarnationally mm-hmm. in both spaces. You know, one could look at it and be like, well, virtually incarnation is not possible because you're not together. You're just, yeah. it's not in flesh. But I think that our imaginations are more than that and that we have been given more creativity by God than, than to settle there. And I think what, what we know is that right now we've like 750 people signed up for four services that we had folks want to be in community and together so much that we filled up one service, almost filled up another, had to open another time slot. And that to me is exciting because it shows that folks want to be in person together. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing that excites me is that if someone doesn't feel comfortable you know, physically comfortable because of the pandemic, they'll be able to participate at home, Yeah, you know, and um, hopefully when we get to silent night, they'll cut out the lights and maybe light a candle at the house and, yeah. and then we get to do it together. And I think that's a, I think that's a really positive thing and something I'm excited about. It shows me the possibility of this hybrid world. Yeah. Like that's, that's a real, that has real potential. I agree. Well, 
like we said, we will be in person on Christmas Eve. That's in two days. Two days. Uh, we have a two o'clock service, a lesson in, lessons and carol service that is uh, with our children and families. Mm-hmm. And we have great music by our children's choirs and youth choirs. And I think two of your your two boys are playing violin. They're, and, yeah, they're doing the intro. I yeah. told them not to mess up Christmas. They were the first <laughs> thing that started all they're, of our Christmas services. They're kicking it off in person, so, so you know, they can't mess it up. No pressure. <laughs> And then we have a, a 5.30 service, which actually begins at 5 with a... Um, with our Brass Ensemble introit. Yep. And we that service is actually full. Um, and so that caused us to open an 8 o'clock service. And so our 8... Well, first, that 5 o'clock service is also a Lessons and Carol service, mm-hmm. but with our Chancel Choir. Chancel Choir. And there will be um, child care at that service. Yes. And then at the 8 o'clock service, there will be child care. And it is a communion service um and so uh it mirrors our 11 o'clock uh service and so in in that service we will have uh you know we'll have preaching there'll be uh music from a a string quartet and we'll have communion um and again at 11 there will be no child care at 11 but it is the same as the um eight o'clock service and there are still spots available um for those two services and and again child care at the five o'clock or 5 30 service child care the eight o'clock service Children are encouraged to be in the sanctuary. We want it to be kiddos in there for the two o'clock service, so we won't have child care, and then no child care for eleven. Yep. So. And then we do have one service on the twenty sixth, when uh, Darren Nicholson Band will be here, our friends, uh, mm-hmm. and so Luke and Rob will be uh, doing a sermon entitled uh, "Running to the Manger." Yep. Yep. And it will be talk about the shepherds, uh, an interplay with the the bluegrass band. So. Uh, there will be some preaching, some playing, some preaching again, mm-hmm. some playing. It's a, it's going to be a really dynamic service. So I'm really hopeful that you guys will come out uh, for that. And that's on the 26th, one service at 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock. Uh, and then we'll be back to regularly scheduled services for Epiphany on the 2nd. Yep. If you're still here with us at the end of this, you're amazing. I know. I thanks, like, thanks for staying. 35 minutes might be our longest one to date, but thanks for being here. We love doing this. Um, and we'll see you soon. See you soon. Merry Christmas.